Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 250. Albert, I hear that we are very useful. We are multi-useful. There's, you could use us left and right in all kinds of ways. Uh, definitely, if we make sure to have all the audio set up, you can have all the ways. <laughs> That's right. Hello, Albert. Hello. So good to talk with you. Yep, same here. I am excited. This is a big episode. I hear we're going to be having a chat now. Yeah, we are. This is not we're not going to be talking about a game. No, in fact, we're going to be starting what I hope to be a new series of topics throughout the podcast. Um, we're going to be doing a new topic called the Popular Mechanics series, where every five weeks we're going to, instead of reviewing a game, we're instead going to be talking about a particular mechanic. And we're going to try and highlight why either Albert particularly likes this mechanic or why I particularly like this mechanic, different games that have used it well. And one of the things that we're trying to address to highlight through this is that if we've reviewed a game or we mentioned a game that you particularly like, here's a good way to perhaps see something else that you may also like. That if you like this game, we mention it. Well, here's another game that you may want to consider. Maybe something to look into. Maybe something that you would enjoy. So that's at least the idea. It also just gives us more of an opportunity to talk about a mechanic, talk about why we like a mechanic, maybe even inspire some additional designs or ideas, or learn new points or topics about those different mechanics. So with that, Albert, what is going to be our first mechanic for the Popular Mechanics series? So today's first mechanic, or our first mechanic will be multi-use cards. That's basically cards that have different ways you could use them. Um, yep. And it tends, you know, in my experience, that's there's two ways to use them. I know there's more, but there there's two ways. And I think that's because the first time I encountered it, at least the first time I remember encountering it, was with Race for the Galaxy. And the multi-use cards, you you have a hand of cards, and you could either play a card to your tableau and use it for what it is, or you could discard cards from your hand to pay for that card you just played. Mm-hmm. And those are two big uses of the card. Not the only two in that game, but the two big ones. Exactly. And that's exactly what the multi-use card is, because you've you've heard me mention it not once, not twice, but many times. I like the idea of being presented with a choice where your decision very much matters, that there's a resource you can do one of two things for. Very often, it's, you have you know a dollar, and the question is, what can you spend that dollar on? Here, you have a card, and the question is, what is it that you want this card to go towards? And... Mm-hmm. I think that this mechanic, in all honesty, I think that one of my favorite games using this mechanic is not really um, a solo game. It's actually Bruges, if you've ever played that game. Because with that one, when you have a single card in hand, there's a list of six different things that it can be done, and each of them are slightly affected by the card as to what color it is that you're using for, but also what person or type of player power things like that it can be used for so in general and i'm trying to focus very much on on only those games that be aspected by solo so perhaps Mm -hmm. i think the best example of this for solo would be in my opinion the granha because the granha has its single cards have the four different sides for each individual card you can tuck it on the bottom of your board and it becomes a permanent power a worker that you hired if you tuck it on the right it upgrades your capacity to store certain things or have more 
barrels and things like that. If you're talking on the left, it can upgrade your fields. And if you're talking on the top, it can upgrade your contacts. Now, there's special slots designed for the different tucks on the different sides of the boards. And all of that flows, it, it flows together so nicely between how it does all those things. And a single card has so much power and is so unique. It's possibly even better than something like Bruges, where Bruges, the six ones, the only difference between them is the type of color. With this one, each card has all the sorts of different options and different things it can do. There's not, to my knowledge of the different cards, there's not a consistency to it. On the other hand, it doesn't overwhelm you with options. There's really, the like, for example, tucking on the right and tucking on the left, those are basic options. It's a, broadly just a list of a couple extra things. It's like extra cards or extra donkey bellies, things like that. And on the left, it's just upgrading your fields. And those things are simple and easy. Really, the things that require more thought and input are going to be the top and the bottom. So that's sort of a balancing factor I think you have to see whenever you have this kind of mechanic, is that you're not overwhelmed with too many options on the cards. Because if all of them are really complicated and require a lot of possibilities and options, I think that that's going to bog it down and would be a bad example of this kind of mechanic, of this kind of game. It would make everything go slower. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the sweet spot is where, where your card has multiple uses. A few of them you could rule out right off the bat because it doesn't work with the strategy you're at right now or whatever whatever the game position is at this moment. But a couple of them are still worthwhile, and you kind of want to decide between those. Mm-hmm. But but they're all there, and they all come up at different points in the game. And I think more to, to highlight what I feel is the sweet spot, it's not only about some of them are useful. Like, if you're holding a bunch of cards, even with one card, you you want to have sort of a tear, a difficult decision about do I want to use this for the top or use this for the bottom? And I, th- I think that Lagranha definitely does that, but there are some other games that I've seen that don't push that decision point too well, where it's easy to decide between the two of them. There, there's, you know, there's the other kind of multi-use where you don't necessarily have to choose so much. It's just the cards do multiple things depending on what part of the game is it, you're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that comes to mind is Oh My Goods, which we talked about last year. And that the cards have multi-use there, right? You could play the cards as building. The You could draw them from the deck as resources to put on your buildings. I'm sorry. You play them You play them a couple different ways as resources, at the resource icon on the left of the card. So the, they provide resources sometimes. Sometimes they're buildings. Sometimes they're goods that you place face down on the buildings. And, and all these are different uses. They come up at different times. But... When, which cards you use does matter for, for each of those resources. Like you may want to use a resource from your hand, but you're saying, well, I'd rather save that card for the building than use it for the resource now. So, so you got that choice there. Or mm-hmm. or you may choose to pull cards from the deck because you want to go through that deck quickly. So you may want to be getting resources and, and uh, goods put from there. So that, that's another one that's I think is interesting the way that works. I definitely and, agree. And, and that one has so many different uses for the cards. It's right. more like a, a a multi-tool of a card game there. 
Well, I don't know. In in Oh My Goods, it also has the point that the cards on their backsides are used sort of as counters for how many yes. goods you have on a building. I don't know if you can necessarily call that a multi-use card because it's not it's not a re, it's not something you're making a decision point to because generally it moves right off the deck onto those things. It's not a choice to put those down. So I don't think you can really count that. Yeah, though I bet you if you're really good at that game and you're actually able to win some of those scenarios, <laughs> you probably have strategies for that. Because there may be times when that you want to have the goods in your deck and versus on your cards. <laughs> I'm not that but I definitely agree that even on the front side, like you're saying, there's multiple things you can do with it about counting as a building or a resource. Yeah. So just as part of wanting to cover the entire topic, both Alpin and I have brought a handful of different games that we think highlight these particular mechanics. The first one for me was the Granha, and the first one for Albert was uh, Oh My Goods. A second one that I wanted to talk about is Lewis and Clark, or specifically Lewis and Clark the Expedition, not the, the smaller version of that one. And in Lewis and Clark, in addition to the worker placement aspect of it, there's also the cards that you have over the course of the game. And each card has a backside and a front side. On the front side, it's a person, excuse me, it's a person that you've recruited. But on the back side, there's between one, two, or three Indians pictured on the card. And you can either use the card for its Indian value, or you can use it for its power. You Every time you take an action in the game, you have to have a power being fueled by Indians. And you can either use cards or meeples for that point. So this one is a very limited resource. You're constantly being torn. Do I want to use this card for its power? Or do I need to use this card, more importantly, to fuel another card? Because another card is more important to me. Now, the multi-use aspect of this gets even a little bit trickier, I think, because although it's not a use, it's not a resource that you consume because it's always definitely there, there are small medallions that are printed on the top right corner of the cards, and those medallions will often tie into other things. So, for example, one card will let you get one wood resource based on how many wood medallions you and your neighbors have played. So you may want to string together your cards to make sure that you've played workers and and powers cards for their wood medallions in addition to other things. So while it's not so much that you're expending it for that, it's another thing that you have to think of and is pulling you in different directions and all printed on one single card. So I'm not sure if I'm pushing the definition of multi-use, but it <laughs> feels multi-use-y to me. Have you played Lewis and Clark before, Albert? I have never I played Lewis and Clark. I have not. Yeah, I remember I... you talked about it years ago on the show, but I've never, I've never played it. <laughs> well, then maybe we'll have to get it in for a back to the table. All right. That'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting. So what is your second game, Albert? My second game is The Bloody Inn, which is another game we talked about a couple years ago. Mm. This is a, it's a game about you're, you're an entrepreneur. You, you you own a hotel and you have guests coming into the hotel and staying with you and leaving and some of them you're killing. And in this game, it's all it's there's a little board, but really it's all about the cards. Your cards could be um you you could have cards into your hand they're gonna use as a resource to draw other cards into your hand so you can have more. But they could also instead be used to pay for cards that you play to your tableau. 
So the use isn't here in how you're playing the card, but where you're playing it too, I think. Cards in your hand are used to pay for things. Cards in front of you do stuff. The You could also take the card and instead of uh, putting it in the tableau or in your hand, you could kill the person. And now there's a dead person in your in your hotel that you need to deal with and bury later. And the cards get a little more complicated because different cards have different abilities. And some cards, if you use them to pay for one of the actions, you actually get that card back into your hand. So those are better for that than other stuff. And, and you're managing having a good hand of cards to build up that tableau and, and get those uh, guests killed, murdered, and, and buried. And, and at the same time, these cards in your hands, you also want to play them out and use them for the, your abilities and put them on your tableau. So it gets interesting. It's a, it's a neat game. It's rather simple and rather fun. And I mean, it's gruesome too, so got to love yep. it. And I definitely think that counts as multi-use. You were kind of hesitant as to whether or not it does. Mm-hmm. It does very much, especially because print on a cards, when you're using it for a certain thing, it has to be that the different, and I'm going to call them suits, but different suits pay for different things. It's not that cards are a global resource. We have to discard X cards to take certain actions. I I would hesitate or perhaps say that's a if if it were that, it would be a very light version of multi-use cards. And there are certainly other games where you have to discard cards to play other cards, and that's your coins, essentially. That you have to build up a big pile of hand, a big pile of cards, and you discard X number of cards to do a certain action. So maybe it costs you five cards to play this card or two cards to play this one. That is less of a multi-use and more just a matter of you're allowed to sort of draft the cards that you have. With this one, it's the cards are actually a resource because in order to, for example, build an annex, in order to make a structure where someone can be buried, you have to actually use other red cards. So you may want to focus on getting more red cards and the different suits all do different things. That feels very much like a resource to me that cards are pulling you multiple different ways on the cards themselves as opposed to just a draft and just to be clear uh for the listener you don't have to use a red card necessarily for for that option but if you do it's more efficient you get to keep the card if you use other colors you have to discard them thank you albert i I believe it helps helps that you are more familiar with the game than i i Mm -hmm. couldn't necessarily remember that but yes thank you for mentioning that all right so that was that was my second game So for me, my third game that I wanted to talk about was Imperial Settlers, and I know Albert's played this one before. Mm-hmm. And with Imperial Settlers, the cards can... Essentially, it's just one of two things that each card can do. You can either use a single card as the building, or you can use the card as a deal. And so either it creates a power or it creates a permanent resource. Um, I believe even this mechanic was created in sort of a lighter fashion through the game Villages of Valeria, where, again, you can sort of make the card into the building itself, or you can instead tuck it under your player board to create just essentially a deal where you can turn money for a different sort of resource. But with this one, again, it's it's still pulling that idea of multi-use, where you have to do with the cards different sorts of things. You will need to do some amount of deals. You may even need to spend deals for other sorts of things. Or you may want to use those 
for buildings and other things. Now, there's perhaps a reason why I'm leaving this one for third, because to me, although the multi-use cards are interesting, I don't think they're necessarily where the fun of the game lies. Mm. But there, it's it's still an interesting mechanic. It's an interesting aspect of the whole thing, where cards will will be used to pay for other things. It just feels to me like the game doesn't. I, I wouldn't have necessarily said that that is the main mechanic, the main aspect of the game. But I certainly think that it's a good example of when you can have multi-use cards sort of backing up other mechanics and making other mechanics and aspects and elements of the game fun and enjoyable. That, that is a fun game too. I, I don't, you're right though. I don't think of it as a multi-use card game. I thought about that one, but the, like you said, the card play is not the biggest part of it. Even though the game is mainly playing cards, that multi-use mm-hmm. does not feel like a, a central mechanic. Yeah. But it's definitely I, I was... worth mentioning it. I was torn between this and actually Gloomhaven because Gloomhaven also has an idea of multi-use cards. Each card has two elements of it and you can pick a card to either use it for its top action or its bottom action. But again, for me, I feel Mm. like these are just limited action selections and that's more about trying to play the board and move around effectively and beat the guys as opposed to feeling a pull between the two resources. That one even was playing a little bit less, but I wanted to throw in the idea that it doesn't have to be the main aspect of the game and that can back up other things and still be a cool, good mechanic. Mm -hmm. I had thought about mentioning Newton because in that one, the cards are multi-used too in a way, but it's more subtle because you're always playing the cards from your hand to, to use them for actions immediately. But at the mm-hmm. end of the round, you could choose which card to tuck underneath and it now has a different use, which is basically an ongoing income, but resource you have every turn. I hear that. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would really count that as multi. Yeah. Multi-use. Yeah, that's a bit because of a it's choice. not a choice you can make with the cards. You're forced to do one and only one. At a time. Know? Yes. That, that yeah. yes. So at the, at the point of tucking, you, you got to decide now, is this a card I want to give up or am I going to keep it? And that's maybe that's more of a, a discarding choice, you know, your hand is up to eight cards. You only allowed to have seven, so you got to discard one. Which one do you get rid of? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick that one. I thought about it, but I didn't. Well, what did you pick? Now that we've managed to so... slyly <laughs> insert some of our other ideas and considerations. Well, I'm going to actually do that yet again because the one I originally thought I was going to pick was one. Actually, one I already mentioned. Really, that granddaddy game, the uh, Rage for the Galaxy, which is a very mm. simple, very basic multi-use card. You either play the card from your hand for its resource or you discard it to pay for it. And you just said that doesn't quite count. But, I mean, I think it inspired a lot of other games and it really got people interested in multi-use. Because before that, I don't don't remember any other games before. I'm sure there were. I just don't remember it. I think that was the one that really introduced the idea to many people. Mm -hmm. And that's a great one. But then I thought, you know what? Honestly, I think a better choice would be Terraforming Mars, which is the same exact mechanic. The, it has a lot more to the game. It's no longer the central part. Well, it's still a very, very important part of the game, but it's not the central mechanic because you're using the cards. You, you, you have the same choice of playing the card and which card to discard to pay for that. Um, but then the cards do different things and let you manipulate the board and get your points and whatnot. It, you, you score in a completely different way and a more complicated way. The, the thing is, it occurred to me, if I were to get Terraforming Mars, 
It's fifty dollars retail. This is Ares Expedition, just to be clear. Sure. If I'm gonna get Race for the Galaxy, it's a forty thirty five dollar game. But to play it solo, I also got to get the Gathering Storm, which is another twenty five dollars. So it's <laughs> sure. It's cheaper to just go with Terraforming Mars. It's a better, much better deal. I mean, how are you saying the Terraform? I, I'm I'm not fully understanding because the Terraform Mars the... Ares Expedition. Right. Oh, you're specifically talking about Terraforming Mars Ares. Yes, I forgot that part of the title, but yes. Okay, so <laughs> because I know I've played Terraforming Mars, I haven't actually played Ares Expedition. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So I'm heard, not familiar with it. I left that part of the title out because I have a paperweight on my on my notebook and it covered the word Ares Expedition. <laughs> but so important. It ter- the Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition is to Raid for the Galaxy, what Final Girl is to Hostage Negotiator. It basically takes that same core mechanic, uses it exactly, and adds more stuff on top of that. I see. Because when, when you play Terraforming Mars, you're going to have a hand of five cards each turn and select which action you're going to do. The actions are, I don't remember if they're exactly identical, they're very similar. One of them is, mm-hmm. if, if you play the card, you're going to get to draw two cards and draw three cards and keep two. If somebody else played it, you're going to get to draw... What is it? Two and keep one. So it works exactly the same in terms of the card management and the t- figuring out what you do each turn and how the cards work in terms of playing versus pain. But uh, what's different is what the cards so, do once you have them on the table. So this is this is the kind that I, I would have personally excluded because mm-hmm. this is just you have to pay for it. It's a, it's a coin value. It's more like a draft type thing is my opinion. Yeah, is, is, am I, I, I know you, just, correct? I, you are understanding correct. I think it's you know I could either use a card for its ability or I could use it to pay for other cards. This is the way I see it. So I mean it it's two is multiple. <laughs> There's two uses for the cards exactly. I hear you. Okay. So, so yes. Hey, I, actually, uh, we we don't necessarily have to agree on everything. That's right. Actually, I guess Race for the Galaxy has a third one because, like we said before, it's a passive resource that you could put on some cards. Let me throw something to you for discussion. Another game that I was considering including was Batman The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, And this is a more recently released game, but in that one, every round you you draw 12 cards, and you draw them in sets of three. And of those three cards, each card has an ability that you get from it, or an ability that the game gets from it. And you, you get to pick two cards to go into your hand and have to put one game into the deck for the game to use against you. I don't know whether or not this would necessarily be multi-use cards because it's not a resource that you're spending when you're deciding, do I, which, which do I want more, to not have this thing in the, de- in the bad deck or for it to be in the good deck? And trying to pick between those two. I don't know if that's necessarily considered multi-use cards, because when the resource comes up, it's only one of two things. It's just a question of, mm-hmm. is this going to count as a resource or a bad thing? And I don't know whether or not that would have been included. Yeah, I don't think I would have included. To me, that's the same choice as the something bad now or something really bad later thing that you get in uh, Robinson Crusoe. Mm, that's a good example. Mm-hmm. You get the card. I there would and... not include that as a multi-use card yeah, as no. well. But I think, but I think functionally, that's the same, the same end result choice you have in those two games. Maybe. Yeah. But, yep, that's what I think. 
But I certainly hear what you're saying. But I wanted to throw that in there for consideration at the very least. Mm-hmm. And there's other games. I know I've seen games, and I couldn't think of any right now, where, the, where there's multi-use cards where the card will be one thing on the front, but the back will be something entirely different. And I think those kind of count. Or like, You mean, for example, Rove? Is that what you're talking about? Because Rove can either be, just as an example of the idea, Rove can either be a puzzle for you to achieve uh, for a final goal, or it can be a card that can be used to fuel your actions in order to solve the puzzle. And it's just based on whether it comes up face up or face down. Is that what you mean? That's what I mean, yep. I mean, the card has multiple uses, but... Yeah, it... but it's not a multi-use that you get to make a decision point on. Multi-use, to me, has to be that you are getting to decide which use you're putting this card to. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember right, you don't shuffle the deck in that game when you play? No, So, So when the cards come back the second time, you could control whether it's going to be something for points or something for you to use depending on what you do in previous rounds, because you can control... I don't think you can. It's been a while since I've played. I seem to remember something like that. Like, like there's a, other other games like that, like Spaceship, which is also a Bunshai game, where the cards... There's four four different places you can play the card to, and depending where it's at, they do different things. And once it's locations, and another one it's things on your ship, and another one I think it's things you could buy. And... As as you play the game, the cards shift from, from one area to the other. And with uh, careful planning, you could affect how fast they shift or whether they stop somewhere or not to mm-hmm. change what the card gives you or what it doesn't do against you. So, I hear that. Yeah. So there's a little bit, there's some control there. It's not tons, if I remember right. That's been a while since I've played that too. But yeah, there, there is definitely, the cards have different purposes depending where they're at. And, and you could control where they end up at somewhat. And that's part of the gameplay is trying to get the card lined up into the right spot so you could benefit from them. I think that was multi-use, but more subtle. That is fair. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, I think that we have covered all the possible uses of this topic. <laughs> all the ones we're going to cover. That's, I suppose, <laughs> true. All We've right. made our decisions about which uses to cover. There we go. <laughs> All right, Julius. Thank you very much. Have, I have enjoyed this. I too. Have a good night, everyone. And feel free to let us know if you have any ideas or recommendations for any popular mechanics that we should do in the future. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduche Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.